the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Indeed, welcome to the show and a happy new year to all. This is the Boys of Tech, episode number 366 for Wednesday the 20th of January 2016. My name is Edwin Herman. I am joined by my co-host, Ben Sunko. Hi Ed, how's it going? I'm fantastic. Uh, how about yourself? I'm very good, thank you. Are you enjoying the summer? I am very much enjoying the summer. It's a pretty good summer so far, or has it, you know, we're what, halfway through it now? It's a pretty good summer. No, I'd say we I mean, it's kind of funny. I always think of summer as being, you know, February, March even. Like, it's, it's weather, not really, yeah. but, yeah. Yeah, we, you're right, Ben. Weather-wise, it, it really is. It's sort of, for me, it's the last half of January through to end of March, maybe yeah. even halfway through April. If we're lucky, yeah. Yeah. On, on a good year. But officially, of course, it's uh, December, January, February. So you're right. When Weather-wise, we're only just getting started. Mm, mm, yes. Yeah. So have you been out making the most of the, the warm weather? I have been. I've been um, based in my on my land, in my section, um, out in the wilderness, doing all sorts of fun things. Well, last time we talked about that, you were, I think you had some plans for some solar power or something. Yep, so I've put in a solar panel and I've put in a battery and I've um, wired up some LED lights and I've put in a stereo and chucked oh, wow. in an inverter and yeah, it's really? pretty, it's so pretty you're, exciting. You're yeah. up and running on, on solar power already? I am and it that feels awesome. really, really good. What about yeah, the especially when you? I haven't hooked up the fridge yet but I will, I need to wire that in, I haven't, um, haven't connected that. But during the day, usually the battery's full, so I've got all this power that I'm not using, so I might as well run the fridge off it as well. That is absolutely awesome. It's, yeah, it's very satisfying to, to make your own power. Yeah, yeah. Were, were the panels expensive? No, I mean, the panel itself was, it was a fraction of the total cost. What so was, the, I mean, what was the biggest cost then in, in that? It's, it's kind of everything. So the panel the battery and the charge controller which actually distributes the charge from the battery into the from the panel into the battery we're all similar sort of priced and then you've got to do all the, you get all the cabling and then you have to get the electronics to do um, the distribution so I've got a fuse box and um, and then all the circuit breakers and fuse holders and it all adds up but it's it's not very expensive um, you know we're talking like a thousand dollars as opposed to you know five thousand it's not that expensive really. really. Right. Okay. Um, but it's it's very very satisfying. Yeah, definitely. And and the fact that, you know, you know, it's not like you've paid for someone to come and install it. You've I think you've designed it even yourself, haven't you? Is that right? Yeah, I, I yep, I sort of I specced it, designed it, built it, did all of that. Did all the cabling for all the electronics. It's all the stuff that I've sort of been picking up through um my job cabling at data centers and and now 
I get to apply it to something different, but I get to do that same the same quality that I that I do now, and it's very rewarding seeing very nicely done cabling. And yeah, it's it's been it's been really really enjoyable. I've just picked up a lot of skills that I didn't have before. Oh, very good, very good. I'm I'm I, yeah. I can I can kind of share that because I've had a, a little bit of a victory myself uh, with the shed that I, I've been building the garden shed. You know, I only get an hour here and hour there. I'd love to say yes. I, I, we've got to the point. <laughs> let, let me tell you the milestone we've got to. It's usable. Ah, nice. Yeah. So it's got a door. It's got a lock on the door. It has two windows. One that opens. It's got most of a roof, meaning it's got the roof but not the flashing, and it's not painted. That's pretty much the bit to do. The eaves. The flashing for the roof and a lick of paint, well, three coats of paint, um, and then it, then it will be finished. But as I say, the milestone is that it's usable. So we've been putting stuff in the shed. We're eventually going to get our second, be able to get our second car into our double carriage, uh, and we christened the shed by. Um, I took the girls, uh, my two daughters, for a sleep out one night out there, and uh, we did a bit of you know f- like like camping, if you like, you know. So you spent and the night in the shed. We spent the night in the shed. Yep. Cool. Camp stretcher, air mattress, and some old other, some other old mattress and sleeping bags and whatnot. Oh, that's and uh, brushed our teeth out there and all, just like you do when you're camping. Yeah. Mm. So, so yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah. Uh, as I say, I'm looking forward to the point where I can say, okay, it's actually finished. Meaning, you know, it's there's nothing more to do. But being a family man, I'm kind of juggling the time I spend on the shed with. Other, other, you know, family commitments, and of course, then there's housework and all the usual stuff as well. And well, I don't think I'm ever going to get to the point where it's completely finished. I think there's always going to be something else to do. Well, yeah, because yours is kind of how do you put it? There's no fixed scope, is there? That you can do whatever no, you like. No, there's no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, but look, I think I, I guess you might you, find the same with the shed, though. You might find that you're just like, oh, it's just one more thing I'll do. Oh, just one more thing. I'll, I'll put a second story <laughs> on it. Oh, I'll just add the spar pool at the back. <laughs> Yeah, never know. Well, you know, I think if you take the wider picture, though, in terms of things around the house, then yeah, then that, like the shed is just one of those things, if if you like. So there's possibly a rabbit hutch I'm going to build if we decide to get some rabbits. There's a barbecue table and uh, and benches. They're going to be foldable as well, so that we can store it under the deck when we're not using them and things like that. So in terms of everything around the house, then I think that's kind of the same as your property in in that respect the shed was just one one item it yeah. was one of the bigger ones but it was just one item yeah i mean i whipped up a um a bench table on friday um as, oh, nice. as you do as, yeah, yeah. It just yeah as you do yeah <laughs> yeah needed it for some friends so i quickly whipped one up that was pretty fun yeah. Okay. All right. Look. Tell you what. Let's get into the podcast and uh, and see where, where that takes us. I have four stories, three international stories, a New Zealand story at the end to cover as well. Uh, first up, though, I don't know if you heard about this, but at CES, which was hosted, was it last week or the week before? Now it's all a bit of a blur this time of the year. There was a booth that was raided by U.S. Marshals. It was a a booth selling essentially what are knockoffs of the one wheel skateboard which is made by future motion so they raided the booth and they confiscated all the stock because of course it's breaching copyright and ip yeah but everyone does that (laughs) well you know i mean this is the point i guess there are there are laws that protect that you know these that you can't just you know 
coattail of someone else's hard work. You you can you can make something different, but you can't just copy it and say, you know, you can't just buy a whole bunch of breakfast cereal off the shelf, put it in your own packaging, and then sell it as your own. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure, absolutely. I think in that example you can. Oh, I'd I'd, I'd be very surprised if you could. I think you can. Because you're, you're, it's essentially called passing off. I th- like for a consumable. I thought you were allowed to do it. Um, maybe not for like for pa- for actually manufacturing an item. I I don't think it makes any difference. To be honest, I'm not a lawyer, but I from what I gather, it's 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 the same. But in, in any event, this isn't a, this isn't something you eat. But the, the the point is, there are laws that protect this. That you can't just be a company that looks at other companies that are successful, copies their product. Pretty much exactly, or at least aesthetically looks exactly the same, even though under the hood it's probably, you know, half the quality, and then pass it off as your own product because you didn't come up with it. You can't, but that's how business works. That's how the world works. Like everything, everything works like that. It's just to the degree that it happens. I mean, how many different types of cornflakes, to use your cereal example, how many different types of cornflakes are there that are exactly the same? How well, many different yeah, types yeah, okay, of but the, but rice ca- bubbles or cocoa pops or potato chips or uh, how many different types of dark cola are there? Like these things are almost identical, but you know they're not they're not the exact same. Um, how many different types of cell phone do we have? Different types of iPad, different types of computer, TV, like all of these things. Sort of, they skirt around these patent laws. So yes, you shouldn't do it, but it happens all the time. Well, obviously, I mean, the you know, not all of them have been tested in, in a court of law, and you know, things like you know, potato chips. Well, how many different ways can you make potato chips? You know, of course, when you look at the the knockoffs of these one wheels, I mean, they they look exactly like. One wheels. They're not just like it's not just like a, a Samsung smartphone and then an Apple iPhone, which do look kind of similar, but you can tell that they're, they're different. They're not made to look the same. Whereas you do get, as you've probably seen, knockoffs of iPhones. You you buy these. They even have the Apple logo on the back. <laughs> oh is, really? Yeah, some of them. Yes. Yeah. That's taking it a bit far. Right? Well, yeah, that is. But anyway. The law's been tested in this case. Future Motion have been working with the law enforcement agencies for the week leading up to this, and uh, and the law has been upheld by way of confiscating the and shutting down the booth. And I, it's all contestable in court, I suppose. If the if this Chinese manufacturer wants to contest it, I'm I'm sure they can. Hmm. I thought it was kind of interesting because uh, it's you know, our, our reports from CES are usually about some some new gadget or some new device or something like that. And I thought, well, let's do something different. Let's let's look at you know a story like patent, this. Patent law. <laughs> it's not like we haven't covered that before, eh, Ben? No. <laughs> anyway, yes, I mean, that, it's interesting that, there, that this appears to be one of the first times that it's happened. And is that because it is they've just done it so blatantly or are times changing? Well, I don't know. I get the impression that there have been for a while some concerns about some of the booths at, at CES, some of the products, you know, being a bit, I don't know what the right word is, maybe a bit cheeky in terms of made to look like other products. So I think it has been going for a little while, but uh, this is at least one of the first times it's it's been enforced. Mm. 
Yeah, watch the space. Watch the space indeed. Anyway, look, let's move on to another story, which I know you're going to enjoy more than that story. Uh, some, I haven't come across this word before, but uh, in this article, it, ma- it mentions a word called roboticists. Have you heard of a roboticist? No. I mean, I can figure out what, exactly what it is. It's obviously someone that studies or works with robotics, but I haven't seen that word before. But anyway, roboticists in Germany have successfully programmed a drone to land itself autonomously on a moving automobile. Now, the big the, the vehicle does have a big net for it to land on, but the point is that what the drone does is it matches the speed and direction and, uh, you know, eventually slowly lowers until it's on the net and then uh, ceases power. So is the car being automatically controlled as well? That actually, I, I, that's what I'm not sure of. I assume not. I think it's being driven mm. from what I understand. Because that would be that would be interesting if it was if they were both in sync. Yeah, yeah, that would be. Mm. Yeah, I agree. That would be very interesting. But where this is going, you might think, well, okay, what's the application of this? Well, one of the applications is that with drones, of course, weight is very precious. So instead of having a lot of weight dedicated to complex landing gear, which a lot of drones do, at least ones that that fly, uh, you know, fixed wing ones. You can use that instead. You can dedicate that capacity of weight to other things like instruments or whatever it's trying to achieve, whatever its purpose is designed for. And then it can land itself, you know, without needing the landing gear because it, you know, lands on a on a moving target like a, a vehicle or, or some other some other platform. Hmm. It could deliver you stuff while you're driving. <laughs> Yeah, I have a Domino's pizza thing, so I'm kind of getting hungry on this journey yeah. through the Nevada desert. <laughs> Cross-country trip would be a lot easier, you wouldn't have to stop. I could stop to get refueled, um, although I guess it probably couldn't carry a lot of fuel. But <laughs> It could carry maybe, what, a cup of petrol? Yeah, two litres. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah, or maybe a litre or two if you're lucky. Yeah, anyway, uh, the technology, though, of course, you know, the engineering required, I mean, this sounds like, you know, on the face of it, you might think, oh, well, you know, is this really big news? But if you think about what it actually takes to create the, you know, if you like, the engineering to, for the algorithm to autonomously land itself on a moving target, that's no easy feat. Very cool. All right. And on the subject of hate speech, hate speech versus free speech, I guess, really, uh, Germany has successfully. Uh, got Google, Facebook and Twitter to agree on a new policy whereby hate speech comments or content, any content for that matter, will be pulled on request. Well, that's good. Hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I'm surprised the US doesn't actually have anti-hate speech laws. Haven't they got pro-hate speech laws? Haven't they got what, sorry? Pro-hate speech. Isn't that like compulsory? Isn't that like one of the terms and conditions <laughs> of signing up to YouTube? <laughs> so you have to put the most hideous, hideous comments you could possibly think of. Yeah, in the comment section, I yeah, you're right. There's a lot. It's of... the only explanation I can think of is that it's compulsory. <laughs> you got to wonder. Absolutely, you do. You got to wonder. But uh, you know, a lot of countries, New Zealand included, uh, and Germany, and many others, a lot of countries have laws against hate speech or, or inciting hatred, which I think is a great thing. And, uh, 
Yeah, and uh, Germany's managed to get an agreement so that, you know, via a takedown request, which is then manually uh, processed, that YouTube, Facebook and Twitter will start uh, removing hate speech that appears on their networks. And I think the target there is about uh, 24 hours from the removal request. Good on them. Hmm. Yeah, and it's, of course, you know, what I like about this is that it's kind of self, uh, what's the word, self-regulating. You know, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter have come to an agreement with, well, you know, with Germany, with the German government. And it will be those networks that ultimately decide whether it is hate speech or not. I think part of the deal also will see those companies have access to German-speaking experts, and also they'll have access to legal specialists to help them decide, you know, whether something really is hate speech or not, where it's not obvious. That all sounds positive. I mean, hopefully it doesn't get abused in any way. Um, yeah, I mean, there's always the possibility, and, you know, people of a certain, I guess, political alignment maybe, or, or ideological alignment might make those claims. And, and yes, I guess technically it, it could be abused. But as I said, what I like about this, that ultimately it's, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter who process the takedown request. In other words, they may reject it. They may, they may it sounds it. like they're approaching it in a very sensible, proactive, ad hoc way. So I, I, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to do it properly. Mm. Yeah, me too. Me too. And, uh, you know, at the moment, this is, you know, I think only an effect in Germany, but maybe I other countries Germany- will follow suit. Germany does kind of have a bit of a history for this, doesn't it? They, you know, there's certain things that you can't say and do in Germany that are acceptable in other countries, just because they're a little bit more, that you know, they're a little bit more sensitive around. Oh, some I things. see about yeah, okay, yes, yes, that yeah. that is true. Because of their history. Yeah, 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 and, uh, yeah, yeah. You're right, absolutely. And I think, but I, I think that's the case for a lot of countries. I mean, there are certain things in in the US, like the N word, is a really, really bad word over there. It's also a very bad word in other countries, but not to the same degree because we don't have that same. It's a bit like saying something nasty in another language in a language that you don't understand. It's just, it's just a word. It's just a phrase. It's really when when you understand when you sort of live and breathe what that hurtful word or phrase actually means. That's really what makes it bad, if you like. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, hopefully we'll see this uh, follow suit with other countries. Yeah. I mean, you know, free speech is, is a good thing. I, I, you know, I think it's a, an important, important Free right. speech is about protecting the thing that you find most, the, the stuff that people say that you find the most vile and disagree with the most. That's, that's essentially what free speech is about, is making sure that people are free to say the things that they want to say. But it crosses a line when it incites violence or hatred. Like that, there's there's a limit. So yes, you should be completely free to say what you want. But when you're what you're saying potentially takes away the freedoms of other people, that's where you know that's the line that you have to cross. And there's always a line. And uh, yeah, it, it's for me, it's pretty sort of it's pretty clear and obvious that both of these things need to go hand in hand. Yep, I absolutely, I agree. All right, good. Well, look at that. We're in agreement. <laughs> I can't, it, it can't last, don't worry. <laughs> okay, how about then? You can disagree me, disagree with me on the last story. We'll take a short break when we come back. One New Zealand story to finish the show. Don't no, go away. there's going to be two, two more. There's going to be two more. Two more? Why? No, I just have to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good one, Ben. All right, thank you. Don't go away. 
right, welcome back. And it is going to be one story, not two. I'm not going to let Ben argue with me on this one. <laughs> Even though okay, I Okay, no more stories. That's it. Good night. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so mean. All right, so hackers, I actually, I wonder whether you, um, I was going to ask you about this one, Ben, because this was presented at Chemicon. Hackers have effectively cracked the algorithm for generating fuel voucher codes for Zed. Zed is uh, one of our fuel companies, you know, petrol stations that we have here. And yeah, yeah. So they've cr- hackers have cracked the voucher codes that generate the fuel discount vouchers. Now that was presented, I think, at KiwiCon. Did you see that one? Yes, I did. Yeah. And yeah, there was. I mean, there wasn't even an attempt at any sort of encryption or protection. It, it might have well have just been written in plain text how it worked. It was so straightforward. As the story said, they made a T-shirt that had the barcode on it. They scanned the barcode, but it was an expired one. So they got a bit of sticky tape, stuck on another code, swiped, scanned it again, and it had a date for 500 days in the future. So it was it was that easy to manipulate that they were doing it on a T-shirt. Very, very See, funny. And, they, and the, they submitted it to Zed, and their reply was um, – yeah, no, we know that how that's, that's how it works, but people people don't take advantage of this. The real, essentially, how this all occurred is that they had this voucher system, and the way that it worked is that the people behind the counter had a voucher sitting there, and they scanned it for every person that had a discount. They then put it at the pumps, and when they put it at the pumps, that's when it really broke down because when it's when it's a transaction going through the till, you've got a lot of control over exactly who's doing what and what they're using to to prove that they have a voucher. When it's happening in the pumps and it's automatic, you lose all of that. So if you've got a system that can generate a barcode on request and then you're putting it at a, an unmanned, um, for an unmanned transaction, then it's very, very easy to manipulate. Yeah, it's um, open so to, they, that's where it's open to abuse, isn't it? Yeah, so they knew that they the only way to, to fix it was to completely rewrite the whole system and that obviously takes time. So they just sort of, to a degree, put their head in the sand. It's interesting because it was some months before KiwiCon that I noticed that you could no longer scan them because, uh, sorry, that you could no longer enter them yourself. You used to be able to punch them in on the keypad if the scanning if the scanner didn't work. And sometimes I would use that feature for a, a different reason. I would do it because I'd forget the voucher. I'd text my wife on my way home saying, "Can you text me the number of a, a fuel voucher that we've got for Zed?" I'd receive the text and then I would simply punch those numbers in on the keypad because that was one of the options. They took that away, but that was months before KiwiCon. So, it was probably about the time that this was submitted. Right, Because okay. these, yeah. these guys submitted it to them. They told right. them about it. Right. It was, a res- you know, it was a responsible disclosure of the bug. Right, uh, right. Yeah. So uh, obviously you'd have to be really stupid to uh, actually attempt to use this because if you're caught, that's obviously fraud. Well, is it though? Because in the situation that you've just said, it's perfectly fine. Like, it, what it, would be wrong with that? Like, if they accepted well, it, the pump, a, well, no, but if it's a fake voucher, if it's not your voucher, and you've, if you're, you're well, I think that would be illegal, definitely. I don't, no, I don't think it's illegal. It's a system that they've put in place. It's, it's fraud. It's fraud. It's, it's like, but it's, it's it's kind of not though at the same time like they like they sent out a um they sent out a voucher code as a as a postal marketing thing to people saying here's a voucher for 20 cents off tell your friends to use it so it was the system that they were telling people about 
these guys just realized that, oh, this is the way that the whole voucher system works. This is the way that every voucher system works. So so when is it okay and when is it not? So it's okay when they say to do it, but it's not okay when no, they say no, no. I think No, if the, company, if the company generates a voucher, which is, if you like, a currency in a way, if the company generates that and gives but it... But there's no auditing on it. There's, everyone is exactly the same. This, yeah, they don't appear I, to I, want to control it. I, I think you would find, again, I'm no lawyer, but let me say this. I think you would find that if someone had, if you like, printed, you know, on, on a, you know, printed a barcode by generating, the, you know, their own fuel voucher and they were caught, that they would be reported, you know, that Zed would report them and, and call the police and the police would investigate and I'm pretty sure they would be prosecuted. I don't know. Because I don't know if it's a fair, like, yeah, I don't know. Um, like, <laughs> if, if, if there was a level of encryption involved, I'd say yes. Yeah, like, if you were actually, if you were actually breaking a system and generating some sort of unique code or I'd say yes, that that would be. But the fact that it was just so open and available. But like I, look, you, I, I don't, I don't think that makes a difference. It, it, just, ima- you, just imagine if you were to print your own little vouchers that say, you know, $1 off fries, small fries at is, McDonald's. It's the same thing. No, I think the difference is the fact that you're sort of printing that voucher out. Like if you, if they have a thing and they say enter a code and you enter a code and they go, hey, where'd you get this code from? You go, well, my friend gave it to me. Is that illegal? Would you get in trouble for that? Oh, okay. If my, you're if you're friend, punching if you're punching a, it in, yeah. yeah. My friend had a voucher. He gave me the code. So you didn't you didn't print anything out. You didn't do anything. Yeah, which All is which is similar to my case where I text my wife. She texts me the number and I punch yeah, it in. So in that case, would you get prosecuted there? I don't think you would. So the difference really is that you know, I think in your head you're seeing someone as as actually as printing up this fake voucher and. and and doing that, and I'd say, yeah, okay, that, in that case, yes, that does seem very, very malicious. But in this other case, where all you have is a code, and you just enter a code, and nothing's been printed out, nothing's been manufactured as such, I don't know that that would be. I don't well, know I, I, be- I think it would be, but I think it would be very hard for Zed to prove that, you know, if they suspected, even though you say, oh, my friend sent me this number, it would be hard for them, I think, to prove that, you know, that that came from a you know, a hacker is essentially, you know, generating the a unique code for them as opposed to a real voucher that they were given when they went to the supermarket. But I don't know. In, in event, I mean, if they, it, yeah. If they were serious about it, they would generate a unique code and that unique code would get destroyed when it's used. That's the way you solve this. Like it's yeah, not yeah, but you can't, re- you can't normally reuse them though, right? Because once you've no, used no, no. them. The Z, the Z ones. Yeah. And this is the key point. If I have a voucher for 20 cents off that was generated today, yep. and you get a voucher that's for 20 cents off generated today, it's the same. It's the exact same code. Oh, I and, see what you mean. And somebody else gets a voucher for 40 cents off generated today, there's one number different for that. But 40 are, cents. are you sure? That's interesting because explain that's this to me. That's the way that it's, it's it, essentially stored as like a date. The string that the code that it stores it as is essentially a date and the amount that it's off. And that's kind of like there is no encryption to it. It is, it is that yeah, simple. Okay, but explain this to me then. If you use a voucher, 
I I was pro- I was under the impression that once you've used it, right? You, I'm talking about legitimate ones, just yeah. for argument's sake, right? I get a thing from the supermarket. Yeah. I think, oh, cool. I'll um, I'll go and get some fuel. I use the voucher. I get my fuel. In a in a week, it gives you a month to use it. In a week, it still hasn't, if you like, expired. But I can't use it again because it knows I've used it. Isn't that nope. isn't that correct? Not, not with Z. Nope. With Z, you could use that voucher every single day until it expires. Oh, is that right? Yeah, but it's even. I mean, it's even more bizarre than that. If you were oh, standing okay. at the door. If you were standing at the door of a supermarket that was issuing these vouchers and you looked at every single voucher, every yeah. single voucher that was 10 cents off, 20 cents off, 40 cents off, generated that day would be identical. Oh, I see. Every okay. single person would have that same number. Okay, so and, that, okay. and there's none of those ever expire except for the date that's set in the voucher that has the expiry date in it. So, yeah, for, in this particular case, you could generate a code and use it every single day for the next 30 days, and there is no auditing to it. There is no tracking to it. There is no expiry to it. There's absolutely because nothing. Because they're not, they're not unique. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so that's why okay. I sort of consider this to be like, you explain that to someone and, and then try and explain that they're not allowed to reuse it. It's like, that makes no sense whatsoever. It just really doesn't. Yeah. So, did they? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, okay. In in that respect, then okay. You, you, if you've got one that happened, that was a real one once. I, I don't think that you know would be, would be a, obviously it, it lets you do it, lets you reuse them. Well, but that is I, I the think thing. If you, the ones the ones that these guys are generating, they could actually predict. You know, you could go into a supermarket and get a code, and they would be able to predict the code based on today's date and the amount of the discount. Like they could generate four yeah, which codes. Which means they could ge- generate out. fraudulent ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's not even fraudulent. It's like they're generating the exact same code because there is only one number. Well, what, what I mean only, by fraudulent, the only thing been, that makes it fraudulent is there's something that they have actually generated themselves. Yeah. Correct. They haven't spent and, the money without to get having it, to spend two hundred dollars at at Countdown Supermarket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So anyway, Countdown, who have who are the ones who generated this system or designed the system? Have, no. 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 Countdown subscribed to the system. This is a system that the service station has had in place for a long time, and it's something that they bought into. And the only way I thought Countdown contracted that. I thought they were the ones who commissioned. They will have. They will have gone to the to the service station and said, "We want to have your service station vouchers in our shop." And the service station would have said, "This is the format of our vouchers that the system that we use. You have to implement." This format, so it would have been the service station that set it to the supermarket. Well, because this system's been in place for a long time, and Countdown has only been offering these vouchers for a, what five years, ten years at the absolute. I've most. never seen them before that because here's what's interesting: the news is reporting that a Countdown spokesperson said we have developed a technical solution to this issue, which we are rolling out. This is a yeah, but it has to it has to be both Z and them. It can't just be one of them. They both have to have the same system. They both have to support the system. So my understanding is that the service station had the system. The supermarket said, we want to offer vouchers. Service station said, here's our system. The service station start the the supermarket starts creating vouchers using that system. Now the the supermarket wants to change the system and the service station has to update at the same time. That's my understanding of the situation. Is there any um, understanding of what the new system is going to be like? I think it'll be a one-time code. So exactly what we would assume it is, that as soon as you use it, it's used up and you can't use it again. 
and presumably is, harder to generate as well. Yeah, well, if if it's stored in a database somewhere, then in theory you shouldn't be able to generate one. Right. You'd have to generate one that was already stored in the database. And if you're using a proper UUID, I mean, what's the probability of that? Yep. Oh, very, yep. very, very, very low. Yep, okay, all right. All right, let's see if that's what they come up with then, Ben, right? Yeah, well, we'll you'd hope so. Yeah, okay, good, excellent. Ben, thank you very much for co-hosting. That is our the first episode of The Boys of Tech for 2016. How exciting. Yeah, it's been a good one. I'm sure we'll do it again another time. Yes. Indeed. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks to all our listeners. See you again next time. Till then, have a fantastic week. Goodbye. Goodbye.